This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In honor of St. Patrick's Day, Dairy Queen is offering its new Under the Rainbow Shake, which features vanilla sauce serve and multicolored sprinkles. And Arby's is honoring St. Patty's Day by driving all the snakes out of the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) What? What? We're playing old jokes because there aren't any new shows because all the writers are still on strike. Not that most people even noticed, which that really doesn't help the writers situation. And like the old days where all of a sudden there's not a new episode of Friends and people, you know, are uh, putting pressure on somebody. Nobody even notices this happening. A lot of it's over AI, and I think the writers are up against it. Good luck with that. They're screwed. I was reading some more about this because I don't really care. There's plenty of entertainment, Um, although I do tend to like writers and creative people. But the problem is you can have one of the problems. You can have AI crank you out a story. uh, Boy meets girl. Girl gets wrong idea about the guy. Guy gets a fuzzy dog. Girl likes dog. They get back together. Yeah, AI, crank me out one of those. (laughs) And then... And then, as I'm looking at the uh, Westminster Dog Show pictures, and then um, you have a human writer come in and quote-unquote adapt that or just fine-tune it the way you would... Exactly, the way you would adapt a book or something like that, and you get paid differently Mm. for grooming already existing work into a screenplay as opposed to coming up with an original screenplay. So the thought is the studios will have AI crank out. I actually have a a, a book. It's really interesting about uh, screenwriting. I think it's called 22 Plots, and it suggests there are only 22 plots that exist. And in reading it, I think they're right. Um, But so I'm a studio. I have AI crank me out a 17 which is uh, man takes journey of discovery and comes home battered but wiser. And I crank that out, and then I say, all right, hey, uh, writer guy, give me a couple of jokes and a reference to the fact that he used to be, I don't know, a cowboy. And um, 
and then the writers make a pittance. So, yeah, they are absolutely up against it. You know, I'm on this Shakespeare kick right now, and uh, I was listening to uh, these lectures from this Yale professor about Shakespeare. And Shakespeare, aside from, I think, Hamlet, aside from one, they're all stolen plots, getting to your point. There are only Mm -hmm. so many plots, period. It's not Shakespeare's fault or anybody else's fault. There's just only so many plots. The the, the money's not in the plot. It's all about the execution. It's all about the lines of the individuals interacting within that plot. I mean, there's only so many plots in your life. There's the young part of your life. There's the raising kids part. There's the falling in love part. There's the sad parts where, you know, people die. I mean, but there's there's only a few different things that right. we all live through. Sure. Likewise, uh, popular music, you know, rock and roll, certain chord patterns get used over and over and over again. It's uh, the melody and the inflections and the rest of it. On that thought, I jotted this down from Hamlet last night just because I thought I need to memorize this. I have, uh, I have of late lost all my mirth. I think that might be the situation I'm in a lot. Man delights not me, nor woman neither. Hmm, There you go. I've lost all my mirth. I don't care about dudes or chicks. Nothing matters anymore. Got some patience from a dog, but that's touch and go. Mm. Yeah, I've lost all my mirth. Wow, tough, tough, tough way to go. I also read three Shakespeare's. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, So the whole debt ceiling drama, we have not been wallowing in it. It's... To a large extent, a cable news fixture to keep you on the edge of your seat, clickbait, will we default on our debt, blah, blah, blah. As Jack has pointed out many times, there's a little more danger of that these days because you got various firebrands on both sides who don't care about the country nearly as much as they care about their Twitter followers or Instagram followers and their political contributions, um, and we're very, very polarized. We um, have raised the debt ceiling 78 times since 1960. So it's unprecedented. Makes you Um, wonder what the point of it is. Yes, it does. Of course it does. There isn't any. It's idiotic. (laughs) Jeez Louise, the stupidity. Play the donkey, Michael. Because it's jackassery. It it is stupid. But. It is stupid, but. So we're going to say, you know what? Let's not even ever get together and discuss whether or not we're spending too much. Let's just never do it. I hear you. What? what You're kind so of, right. That's crazy. So we have a sad and pathetic, like, comma, we insert into the national, you know, profligacy. That's a fancy word. We spend too much. Um, uh, We just insert this tiny little pause. Uh, now back to it. But losing that pause... Do we careen off the well, cliff? That's just, I don't know. That's, that's just saying I give up. I think you're right. Both are true. It's stupid, pathetic, useless, hypocritical, but necessary. Although it hasn't done a hell of a lot of good. Anyway, here's a quick update, clip 61, Jackie Heinrich on Fox News, and then I want to play you the clip I really enjoyed. The Treasury Secretary's warning the U.S. could run out of money as soon as June 1st got the president to open the Oval Office door to congressional leadership. But the progress may have stopped there. Everybody in this meeting reiterated the positions they were at. I didn't see any new movement. The president said the staff should get back together. Okay. So you have McCarthy making statements, Biden making statements. Biden had held a press conference last night. Uh, give me 64, Michael. I made clear during our meeting that default is not an option. Repeated that time and again. America is not a deadbeat nation. We pay our bills, and avoiding default 
is a basic duty of the United States Congress. All okay. right. God dang it. Here, the, the, This is the problem with getting older. You've heard the same thing said so many times. And when you were on the other side, you felt a different way, just like Barack Obama saying, we can't keep raising the debt ceiling without looking at our spending and taxes. When he was a senator. Midnight, inauguration day, they meet under the full moon at the base of the Washington Monument and exchange each other's scripts. Gets slightly more interesting in 65. Mr. President, do you trust Kevin McCarthy? Uh, I, I, I trust Kevin will try to do what he says. Uh, I don't know that... Uh, um, I don't know how much leeway Kevin McCarthy thinks he has in light of the fact, and I'm not being a wise guy when I say this, it took 15 votes for him to acquire the speakership. And apparently he uh, had to make some serious concessions to get it from the most extreme elements of his party. So I, but I don't, I just don't know. The ultra mega Republicans he's referring to there. I've thought that clip, Jack, and you've watched Joe Biden for years and years. I thought that clip was old Joe Biden able to cleverly parry that question and talk about, you know, the ultra mega Republicans, um, but he can't pull it off anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You you saw the old moves, but the, you know, yeah. It was like uh, when they dragged Bob Hope out for his final college football extravaganza comedy special. Or Dick Clark on the uh, New Year's Eve special. Right, yeah. You saw the old moves, but they didn't move like they used to. So anyway, he kind of made an oblique reference there to the ultra-mega-Republicans like he referred to. And the extreme measures we're talking about. Extreme cuts. Draconian cuts. Back to last year's levels. Ah, you had the Congress and the White House last year, so you're telling us that you had a draconian and awful budget? That doesn't make any effing sense. <laughs> but nobody nobody asks the question like that. <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I couldn't be a White House correspondent because they'd throw me out day one. But um, uh, Jackie Heinrich is, and I thought she did a beautiful job, parry, or, you know, uh, fencing a bit with the dopey and capable KJP in clip 62. Does the White House consider all of those members to be dangerous MAGA Republican extremists? Do they understand what the cuts that they're voting for is going to do? You have Mitt Romney saying that there has to be a conversation here. Is he a MAGA Republican extremist? They voted on a bill that's going to cut programs that are very important to American families. Law enforcement cutting programs to law enforcement, cutting program to veterans, veteran care, cutting program to our school system. That's what Republicans have voted on. So those are extreme. Those are very extreme. Yeah, I wish 30 plus trillion dollars in debt. And anybody who suggests any fiscal responsibility is an extremist. Right. And the only things you can possibly cut the place you start are food for babies and all cops. <laughs> and There's nothing else in the federal government budget that could possibly be eliminated. Blood transfusions for veterans will be discontinued under the extremist mega Republican plan. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, McCarthy said the other day, I thought it was a good line. So we're going to go back to the budget of five months ago. And that's an extreme cut. Stracodian. Well, it's a, it's this is the what the view looks like as you approach the cliff. Yeah, and as I often wonder if if the average family, which is statistically true, is uh, living beyond their means, then I guess the, it's in the air. 
We just right. don't demand our government to live within its means. What in the culture would force government to become responsible? What is you going to do? <laughs> you got to laugh to keep from crying, folks. Mm-hmm. Huh? Gather your beloved. Give me a second. I have of late lost Bassett. Gather your beautiful, petite, bassid, griffin, vendine to your side and, and pet it and tell it it's a good girl or a good boy and enjoy the good things in life. Ask it its pronouns. We were talking about that the other day. That's right. Now, they say that this dog is a male, but did they ask it how it identifies? Yeah, if you didn't hear that. It has testicles. Oh, that, that doesn't mean anything. That does not mean anything. We had that the other day, a vet in Portland who was asking people their dog's pronouns. They, I, you don't I, want to misgender I, the dog. I don't know whether to engage in an act of violence, burst into laughter, wet my pants, book a trip to Mars with Elon Musk. When I hear S that crazy, I just don't know what to do. Well, sometimes you don't know whether to laugh or drink heavily. No. Can I do Things both? are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. One Amen usually, to that, Elon. One usually leads to the other. Drinking heavily till after. At least it always did for me. Maybe you a fight. Maybe, I don't know. Depends on your no, personality. I'm a happy drunk. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm mellow and cheerful and I'm agreeable. An, I'm an angry sober is my problem. As the great and communist song. everyone knows it. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, Margie. Did I step on you there? <laughs> one of my favorite lines from uh, Billy Bragg, who was a communist but a great songwriter, is uh, I'm more impressionable when my cement is wet. That's a good one. That's a that good line. That is a good line, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know if he stole that or what, but it's good. Uh, do we need to put up with crime the way it is? Uh, a guy just died who was kind of famous for fighting back against that notion that we just have to put up with it. One to honor his legacy at some point this hour. Among other things, stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Perhaps the worst marketing decision in the history of commerce was Bud Light having anything to do with this Dylan Mulvaney person as it continues to ruin their business. New numbers out. They're down again even further. In the fourth consecutive week of double-digit sales drops, four straight weeks of double-digit. Wow. Moving down. It's a cataclysm. Began on April 1st when Olvaney posted videos of herself sitting in a bubble bath drinking Bud Light talking about uh, March Madness, which always starts around April 1st. It's a beer apocalypse. Yeah. Coors Light and Miller Light each saw more than 20% sales increases hmm. in the most recent week of data. I keep hearing the left try to characterize this as a boycott. I no. just p- think people on an individual basis, and this is important, said, yeah, I'm not going there anymore. Yeah. I am not going to be forced into the denying reality, saying that young man is a woman, 365 days of girlhood. Stop it. Right. I think this is a particularly unique, like, it's almost like a poll because it's something unimportant. I mean, I, I haven't known many people that are like, hardcore, I am not drinking a Coors Light. Gross. I'm only going to drink Bud Light. You know, same with Pepsi or Coke or whatever. You might prefer one or the other, but they're not really deal breakers well and after you drink three of them you'll be on that brand it'll be fine (laughs) no kidding um but this is just a pretty good you know what one's about the same as the other just because of that i'm going with this one and Mm -hmm. a lot of people have done that yeah yeah and now there's some concern the most recent analysis is that so there was a crowd is like i'm not dealing with that and then there's the crowd that says, I don't want to be seen drinking a Bud Light because other people will think I am okay with it. Right, yeah, the social uh, pressure thing. Right. It's, it's astonishing minor. the effect this has had. Yeah, it's minor. But, oh, yeah, good God. Yeah, yeah, shocking, shocking. Uh, We're not going to stare at their crotches while they're wearing their little shopping shorts at the mall. And see, that's repulsive, that whole talking about your bulge walking through the mall and just whatever. Some women have bulges in their shorts because they have penises and testicles. No, no, I'm not going there. And, you know, we got that email from somebody who grew up with Dylan. Very confused childhood. A mom who was very nutty, gender-bending weirdness. He's a gay man doing a, a female impersonator thing. You're not going to bully me into calling him a woman. That's ridiculous. Anyway. Um, do Jesus, is there any other industry that could have made a poorer choice? Craftsman power tools. Would you like to get <laughs> Dylan Mulvaney? I just get Good Lord. Yeah. 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 Just it's it's astonishing. And um, again, it's not that important, but a message was sent 
what normal Americans think of this radical queer theory bullying. We don't like it. We're not buying it. We're not on our knees begging for your forgiveness for violating the current ever-moving target of so-called morality. F you. You should drive a John Deere tractor here at John Deere. (laughs) If you're a woman with testicles that bulge out when you're doing your shopping, you're welcome to drive one of our big, brawny John Deere tractors. You're not going to... You're not going to see that. You know why? Because they're not out of their effing minds. That, uh, <laughs> so, oh, you know, as we mentioned earlier, Bud Light has fired their quote-unquote independent marketing firm that came up with that idea. Yeah, I think it was that gal who worked for Anheuser-Busch who did the podcast, who's on leave, and her boss. You know, they're, they're desperate. And, and I don't, I take no particular joy in that. I, I think the higher ups at Anheuser Busch just want to make decent mass produced beer that people drink. I don't think they're necessarily down with transgender this or that. Um, they just had an executive who went sideways based on her enlightened Gen Z beliefs and the, and she screwed the brand more than I've ever seen before. The next time you buy a chainsaw, make sure it's this brand. <sighs> Not going to happen. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The possible meteorite crashing through a home in Hopewell Township, New Jersey. The metallic-looking object slamming through the roof at about 2.30 in the afternoon Monday. 
landing on the floor of the house four inches by six inches. At least one person was home, not hurt. Scientists now say that could be up to four billion years old. A four billion year old rock crashes through your roof in New York. That's pretty old. Earth is four billion years old. Wow. Now, if you just pick up any rock you find on the ground, it is going to be shockingly old. So mm. it's just the nature of rocks. But, yeah, but uh, to have a rock is as old. old as the Earth itself, yeah. that's wild. Yeah. Meteor comes crashing through your roof. You get to keep that, right? Of course you do. Right? I don't know. I, th- for, I, I feel like I know this from having... Have you ever been to that the biggest meteor site in the United States in Arizona? Oh, like, I have not, sir. So cool. You have to be headed somewhere to drive by it. And my parents, it was on the way to my parents' house. Like, it's not far from Flagstaff. But anyway, it's it's a, it got ginormous. And uh, the meteor that hit it was like as big as a, if I remember correctly, like a long dinner table or something. But at a certain size, the government comes and gets it. Mm. It's like a historical significance or scientific significance. I don't know. Of course, if I don't tell anybody, you don't get it. Mm. I'll just show my friends. Look at this big hot rock that fell through my roof. Isn't that cool? Don't tell anybody, though. It's a little radioactive, but I've gotten used to it. Um, so I don't know this guy, Fred Siegel, who died the other day of being old. Ex-liberal Fred Siegel saw New York fall and rise, an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal. And uh, a number of pundits that I like have responded to, to his death. Here's one of the tweets. Fred Siegel and other conservative intellectuals, he was a liberal, and when New York went to hell in the 70s and got all crime-ridden, he switched from the L's to the R's. Uh, Fred Siegel and other conservative intellectuals at the Manhattan Institute argued that the sharp rise in urban chaos wasn't inevitable or irreversible. In fact, disorder was a choice. And so I've looked into a little of his writings. He came up with the phrase riot ideology, which is how he described the 70s and how things fell apart in New York and various other cities across the country. Riot ideology rested on the assumption that the sins of racism justified violence and criminality. He saw it happening in New York, where the mayor there, John Lindsay, had faith in a free market of morals that led to a vast expansion of crime and social disorder. And he makes the argument that this is a choice. Policy is a choice. This is why we have it. And I, I was just, I think about this a lot. Maybe I ought to read this book. I was listening to a podcast a couple of years ago, and it had this guy in there, and I don't remember what his name was. He's kind of a fringe character, but he said, hey, I'm the most conservative person in any room I'm ever in. And I thought, that's an interesting claim to make. And I was wondering what he was, what he meant. And what he, was, what he meant was what he was talking about is our willingness to accept crime and that we just have to, and disorder in general, and that we just have to further and further adjust to it. It's kind of a weird thing that we've just accepted uh, that, well, of course, when you were kids, you didn't have to lock your doors, but now you do. Of, or, or, of course, you didn't have to have a fence around that back in the day, but now you do. Or, you know, that just that this is just an inevitable part of why. That makes and no any sense. any measure meant to counter that is, by definition, crazy or radical. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how you stop it from happening. But the fact that we don't talk about it, that we just accept it is like, it's like growing old. You get more aches and pains. That is inevitable. There's nothing you can do about it. 
But the idea that you didn't used to have a, a fence around your school, but now you do, that's not inevitable. No, no. Yeah, it's a complicated answer why that is, but one of the aspects of it is what Mr. Siegel was talking about, obviously, and it's shocking. I mean, it's not like I didn't know this, but it's shocking to hear him talk about, you know, New York in the 70s and the transition and and the reasons for the lawlessness and the rest of it as that very idiotic progressive experiment is being played out again in the Blue City. Now, he's a pretty old guy in New Yorker, so I don't know if he's old enough to experience this, but I remember hearing, remember when Dennis Miller used to have a radio show He'd have old-timey celebrities on all the time, and he had on red buttons. Now, if you're under, geez, practically 60, you don't know who red buttons is. I only know because he was a old game show panel contestant when I was a kid. But he is a an entertainer from way back in the day. But he was telling Dennis Miller about how great New York was in the 40s. He said you could... You could like you could go to go to a Broadway show with your best gal and sleep on the grass in Central Park under the skies, having gone out for dinner. And and Dennis Miller was like, "You'd sleep in Central Park?" He said, "Oh yeah, that's no big deal. You just go to Central Park and lay there in the grass and sleep all night long." So why would we accept that? Well, of course it was safe to do that then, but you can't do that now. Why? Why would why would civilization just accept that things have to get crappier and more dangerous, and you have to spend more time protecting yourself? They shouldn't. They absolutely and shouldn't. And is, is there any end to this continuum where it ever come, goes back? I, I'm Part of the reason this is on my mind is a, a school I know of where they're going to build a fence around it now. Okay, so will it ever go back to being a school where you don't have to have a fence around it? Probably nope. not. And then We're what, just going to keep going toward uh, Mad Max meets the Hunger Games, and you just have to accept it. Right, and I suppose a few years from now, we'll go from a fence to a higher fence with a dome over the top of it, or... A motor wire, or, or, yeah, or guards and towers, right? Like it's a penitentiary. It's odd to me that we don't discuss this more often. Well, it is being discussed, but it's being discussed in a in a weird way, which uh, again would be familiar to Mister Siegel. What'd you say his first name is? Fred. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to read more about him myself, but uh, you have people saying, "Hey." crime is against the law we've got to arrest people we've got to try people we've got to punish people then the other side is saying exactly what uh, mayor Lindsay said and what uh, mr siegel was quoting them as saying well uh, various injustices whether it's uh, because they're black or queer or hispanic or native people or whatever uh, that justifies them doing anything they want loot it back etc and you get more and more lawlessness till people say including you know, uh, uh, people of color, I mean, black people are more often the victim of crime than anybody. Um, finally, they say that's enough, and then society swings back to the other guardrail. It drives me crazy when people say something that is true, it is true, but like with no reflection on it. Uh, talking about something, I don't remember what it was the other day, but about something you didn't have to lock up your bike or where, well, that was a different time. Okay, well, what's different about this time that we should accept that you have to lock up your bike now, but you didn't then? Why? Right. right. Human beings have been the same. Human nature doesn't same is it doesn't change. Right. I agree a hundred percent. Weird. And you know, the truer truest words ever spoken, all change is not progress. Things frequently get worse. You accept that, you recognize it, you determine what's made it worse and what can be done about it, and then you do those things. 
And then somebody comes along with these wackadoo ideas that only an academic could hold in their head. And then they implement them on the streets with the aid of the well-meaning but no life experience students and, and just soft heads of society. Everything goes to hell again. Then you fix it again. That's the story of civilization, unfortunately. And I remember when uh, Michael Moore made his uh, Bowling from Columbine movie and he was up in Canada and he was trying to figure out why does Canada not have this gun problem that we have. Man, how uh, almost preciously naive does that era seem like compared to what we got today where it's like freaking every 48 hours. Um, shooting like that happens. But anyway, he was going in, in the neighborhood in Canada. He was just going and opening doors and like, look, their door's not locked. Look, their door's not locked. Now, that seemed weird to me because I grew up with my door's not locked either. In fact, there's plenty of places in the country where you still don't lock your doors during the day. That's fine. But the idea that they can do that and we can't. What? Why? Why? Why do you have to lock your doors now? Why do you have to have a fence around this? Why do you have to? The more people need to have a gun. You, you see, you hear about stories about how people used to picnic on the lawn of the White House, and you could walk up to the door and knock on the door and, and talk to the president. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just accept that this is just a natural path of time? That was a different time, Jack. That doesn't right. make any that sense. That comment is so idiotic, it should be stricken from the English language. Right. Hmm. Anyway, I have no point other than that. Coming up, a feature. I think I think I even asked you to get the jivey music ready for this last time we did it, Michael. A feature I love to call "Where Are You Going?" <laughs> <laughs> Has to do with people's uh, moving about the United States and uh, population loss and gain, that sort of thing. It's usually pretty interesting. Joe really likes features with a name and music oh, and everything. I love that. Yeah, you got to have that. You got to have branding, Jack, in the in the modern world. I'm thinking of having Dylan Mulvaney. Voice over a new introduction for Where Are You Going? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's next. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This is us finishing strong after a grueling three-hour and 50-minute workday. Allegedly. Welcome to a feature I'd like to call, Where Are You Going? Tracking demographic movement around the United States. Uh, first of all, not shockingly, the California exodus to other states is even worse than uh, was previously realized, according to the California Globe. State's population dropped more than f- by more than 500,000 people between April 2020 and July 2022, with the number of residents leaving surpassing those moving in by nearly 700,000, according to the uh, the Globe, et cetera, et cetera. There are some confusing numbers here, overlaps and, and net uh, losses and, and different time periods. But um, now the latest IRS state-by-state migration data on tax returns filed in 2020 and 2021 reveal who and how many residents moved from one state to another. Uh, California's net loss totals uh, more than 332,000 residents during that time period, more than any other state, taking $29 billion in tax revenue with them yeah, I was, to other places. I've been wondering for a long time, The uh, I, I got to believe it's mostly the upper end of your tax base that's leaving California, and that's going to hurt a whole bunch of your plans for you know free health care for illegals and flying in people who want abortions from other states and all these different pie-in-the-sky things. Yeah, I, I wonder about that. I, I know a lot of working class people leave because they just can't afford it anymore. And I suppose there are a, a number of high earners who just don't want to pay the taxes. But uh, I, I haven't seen those numbers. It's interesting question. Uh, New York and Illinois bled residents as well. New York's net loss was 262000 Illinois' net loss was 105000 What do those three states have in common? I mean, you have. Surfing. Exactly. The surfing, I grew up in Chicagoland. The surfing on Lake Michigan is the best. Um, You have the West Coast, the East Coast, and the middle of the country. So it ain't that. You've got one of the best climates in America, in California. You've got New York, which is very, very wintry. And you got Illinois, which is pretty wintry. It's not that. Uh, Florida? Texas, North Carolina, and South Carolina were the biggest winners. Hmm, boy, I just I can't I can't draw any conclusions from those states. Are you kidding me? I give up. I can't. What I I don't get it. What's uh, you know? What's the relationship there? Worth noting that in 2018, California was one of the top inbound destinations states according to Allied Van Lines, which collects data on all this because they need to know where to have trucks. Uh, by 2020, only two years later, California's inbound migration was 40%, while its outbound migration was nearly 60%. I wonder if that was people trying to get in on the uh, you know, the tech boom. I wonder. 
Uh, they mentioned that, um, which leads us to California's bleeding residents and businesses today. COVID lockdowns, school and business closures, anyone? I think that was part of it. How about hobos everywhere? Yeah. Here's another group that analyzes the IRS data found Florida was the biggest winner in adjusted gross income. Uh, they uh, ended up with $40 million more, 5.5% increase. In California, Los Angeles and San Francisco counties lost the most residents. Uh, no surprises, L.A. and San Francisco had the harshest, most draconian COVID restrictions, masking, lockdowns, school closures, and vaccine mandates. Also, the most crime. Yeah. Los Angeles crumbling. So is San Francisco. Those things happen simultaneously. They're unrelated other than the same ideology that causes you to lock down yeah. is the one that allows you know people to live on the streets. But, uh, you know, other than that, they're not related, but uh, good reasons to leave. Uh, top income tax rate is the highest marginal tax rate in the nation. So cetera, high taxes, but at least what I'm paying for is junkies everywhere pooping on the street. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah. And my school's mm-hmm. not open, so the the bigger question is how are they how's there anybody still in California? Boy, I tell you what, Metal Guy is sharp today. He is right on cue. Two, three, four. That's just really good stuff. Uh and on a similar topic, a new report released on Friday found that San Francisco currently has the worst downtown recovery rate of large cities in the US and Canada, coming in with only thirty-two percent of the loss in activity during COVID returning. I'm telling you, if you have not, I've been there recently, like Friday before last. If you have not been to downtown San Francisco middle of the day, you can't believe it compared to what it used to be. It's, I would agree. It's like um, it's like left behind. It's like the rapture occurred. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And some of that is beyond uh, San Francisco's control, as we'll get to in a second. But according to the University of Toronto in Canada, where else would the University of Toronto be? Spain? Anyway, uh, downtown activity was measured by the number of smartphones pinging off cell phone towers in the central city areas. Ping, 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 ping. That's a pretty good way to study human activity. I suppose, or you can just get out of your car and look around. There's that. Uh, It's tougher to get, you know, actual data that way, but... Uh, So data from 2019-2020 was compared with, uh, you know, modern data. Uh, Bakersfield and Fresno, California, showed unprecedented growth, as did Salt Lake City. San Diego got 93% of its activity back. Sacramento, 75%. San Jose, 71%. LA, 62%. Wow. But San Francisco, 32%. Oof. That's incredible. Part of that is that tech workers work remotely more than other industries. Mm. But the rest of it is the filth and the crime and the junkies. Hey, kids, it's that time again. With Armstrong and Getty. Which I would say is part of why the tech workers don't want to go to work also. True. You can work from home, and why would I go step over the bums and get my car broken into? A vicious circle. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day. There he is, our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael, final thought? Yeah, as you get older, um, just another piece of my childhood is disappearing with MTV News. I had many great memories watching MTV as a kid, and to see it going away is pretty sad. First it was Sears, and now this. 
Touching, touching tribute there, Michael. Uh, Jack, a final thought for us? Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, NBA uh, playoffs because I'm really into it. You have got, in the East and the West, two teams with 3-1 leads. The Lakers, as a seven seed, it looks like they're going to make the conference finals. And the Heat, as an eight seed, up 3-1, are going to make the conference finals. A seven seed and an eight seed. I don't know what the regular season will Call it off next year. It's madness. Madness. Uh, my final thought is tomorrow on Final Thoughts, uh, a new team member, Katie Green, has to have a final thought. Oh, yeah. Because she's absolutely part of the team. And if you would right. like to meet her audio-wise, yesterday's Armstrong and Getty One More Thing, we talked to Katie uh, about all sorts of different stuff. I thought you meant meet her in person, like we're going to send her out to the mall or something on Saturday. Good Lord, or? no. 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 Armstrong Jack. and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Jack ruins the podcast, by the way. The One More Thing podcast from yesterday. Michael and I desperately attempt to claw it back to goodness. And Katie, but uh, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. I don't recall how I ruined the podcast. Oh, ruined it completely. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can download the podcast there. You can drop us an email. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Pick up some swag. The hot links are wonderful. Come on. Title 42 ends tomorrow. We'll see you then. God bless America. Two individuals the committee is particularly concerned about. Armstrong and Getty. These are idiots we're dealing with. And everyone knows it. Oh, my word. You know what? I'm not making this up. This is real. Yup. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It is what it is. Naughty. I don't know what the hell's going on here. And the DOJ needs to get off its ass and investigate. If the dramatics could come down just a little bit. Well, historically, that's true with stars. The key word in that phrase is the word. <laughs> Thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.